goodnewsministriesofgnm.org. It's the Catholic place for growing your faith. Good News Ministries will provide you with faith-building reflections, virtual retreats, prayer resources, and lots more. All of it is free. Visit gnm.org today. Introducing the redesigned CatholicSingles.com, featuring new ways that put the spotlight on the person and their faith, not just a profile picture. For the past 20 years, faithful Catholics have used CatholicSingles.com, and the reimagined CatholicSingles.com website is ready to help single Catholics take the next step in sharing meaningful relationships with other faithful Catholics. Remember, CatholicSingles.com, for faith, fellowship, and love. John Allen. I'm Father Dwight Longenecker, and this podcast is an analysis of John Allen's 2009 book, The Future Church. John Allen goes through and looks at 10 different trends which are going to affect the future of the Catholic Church. We've gone through those trends step by step, and we took a break because I've been leading a pilgrimage to France, uh, and we've had a couple of weeks away, therefore, from this podcast. If you've never been on a pilgrimage, I encourage you to look into it. There are wonderful times of blessing, fellowship, learning, uh, worship, and travel together. I've led one of these pilgrimages every year for the last few years, and each one we go on is just a wonderful time of making new friends and traveling and deepening our faith together. The next one I'll be leading is next September, which is a pilgrimage cruise to the Holy Land and Rome and the cities of St. Paul. You can learn about that at my blog, DwightLongenecker.com. We want to continue now the analysis of John Allen's The Future Church. It's great that we're doing it in 2019 because we're now 10 years into John's predictions and we've been able to go through and see how some of his predictions have been spot on and they've, the things that he's predicted have come true even faster than he ever could have imagined. And then there are other things which have not uh, happened and uh, things have taken a different turn and the, the history of the church and the history of our society has moved in a different direction. Just as a little refresher now, I'll take you through some of the things that we've learned so far in our analysis of John Allen's future church. You remember we looked at the topic of the world church and how with globalization, the Catholic Church's ministry is now reaching out to the uttermost parts of the earth and that the demographics in the church are increasingly towards favoring the South, in other words, Africa, Latin America, and also the East to Asia, the church in Asia. This demographic, combined with falling birth rates in Europe and North America, will affect not only uh, the world population, but will also affect the religious life of the world and the Catholic Church especially. We considered evangelical Catholicism, John Allen's analysis, that a kind of uh, new wave of conservatism was coming into the church with uh, renewed vigor and enthusiasm and commitment. And in Benedict XVI's papacy, John Allen saw this as the wave of the future. Of course, all of that changed in 2013 with the election of Pope Francis. And it would seem that evangelical Catholicism is now uh, on the back foot uh, and on the defense rather than on the rise and the church of the future. So we'll see what happens with evangelical Catholicism as the 21st century continues to move forward. 
we looked in more detail in the, at the new demographic, uh, the shifting populations of the world and how this is going to affect Catholicism, saying that the new Catholicism, the, new, uh, the Catholicism of the 21st century is going to be increasingly uh, dominated by the church in the Southern Hemisphere. We then went on to consider the expanding lay roles in the church, lay people having an increased role uh, in the church and in the leadership of the church. Now, in this seventh episode, I'm going to be abridging some of John's book and shortening the podcast by treating three of his chapters together in one episode. This is because these trends that he points out are trends in society and trends in the world, but they're not affecting the Catholic Church and the Catholic religion quite so uh, explicitly as the other things we spoke about. These three trends are the biotech revolution, globalization, and ecology. He gives one chapter to all three of those, and they're very interesting. It's worth a read, and if you haven't got John's book, I encourage you to pick up the book and read the whole thing, because, of course, my analysis has had to be skimming through and only touching on his main points for the sake of discussion. So these three topics of the biotech revolution, globalization, and ecology are still important topics, but we're not going to take a whole podcast for each one of them, as John takes a whole uh, chapter for each one of them in his book. So the first of these three is the biotech revolution. And the biotech revolution is basically all the kind of advanced science and technology that is coming upon our world, which the Catholic Church has never had to consider before because it's never existed before. John Allen begins his chapter by talking talking about Dr. Irving Weissman, who's a director at the Stanford Institute for Stem Cell Biology and Regenerative Medicine. And he did something way back in 2004. He took some human brain cells and put them into a mouse. And he did this not because he's some sort of Dr. Frankenstein, but because he said he wanted to be able to study the uh, human brain a bit more intensely to be able to try to solve problems like uh, Alzheimer's, Parkinson's disease, Lou Gehrig's disease, and so forth. But of course, putting human brain cells into a mouse was considered to be ethically difficult and and and, tr- and, and uh, problematic. He took his uh, experiments to the ethics board, and they approved it because it was only a tiny bit of human brain cell that he was putting in the mouse. However, he then went on and tried to create mice that had almost 100% human brain cells. That's when the ethics committee began to draw back a little bit and said, well, we're not quite sure about this. Well, anything which uh, combines human cells with animal cells uh, in a new organism is called a, a chimera. And a chimera obviously presents difficulties for uh, not only scientists and ethicists, but also theologians. One wants to ask, where does a human being begin and a, an animal end? He went on to discuss possibilities, for instance, of uh, combining human brain cells into a chimpanzee. Will the chimpanzee begin to behave much more like a human? This is the stuff of science fiction films like Planet of the Apes and, and Dawn of the Planet of the Apes and so forth, where this is actually the premise for the film that a scientist begins to put human brain cells into a, a chimpanzee who then learns to talk and so forth in the science fiction uh, in the science fiction fantasy film. While this is the stuff of science fiction, John Allen makes it quite clear that we are already there and we're already experimenting with these things. And we have been experimenting with these things for a long time. Human organ transplants and uh, plastic surgery and all sorts of things which we now take for granted. Biotechnology has been changing the human person. 
he goes on to talk about some different aspects of biotechnology which are problematic for Catholics. In vitro fertilization. In vitro fertilization is when the sperm and the egg are taken from a man and woman and fertilized in the laboratory and then inserted back into the woman's body to bring about a live birth. IVF, as it's called, is not permitted by the Catholic Church because the Catholic Church says each child should be conceived uh, in the marital act, in the natural marital act. However, IVF is now becoming mainstream and uh, more and more people are using IVF and Catholic pastors and Catholics don't seem to have a problem with it, even though it goes against the teaching of the church. John talks about human cloning. Uh, that is uh, when a human being is, a new human being is produced, cloning the cells of uh, the original um, subject. This has been, of course, been uh, produced way back in 1997 when a sheep has already been cloned. Nobody's cloned a human being yet, as, as far as we know, but this is also uh, on the horizon. You would say, well, why would people, uh, why would they do cloning? They might do cloning in order to salvage the uh, organs for the use for, to use for in transplants to ser serve those people who are already living. This again raises huge problems about what is a human being and what is the destiny of a human being? Would a clone be a fully hum human being? The church has said yes, but uh, there are all sorts of questions that come up in how we would behave with clones and how we would treat clones. Would they be able to be used as slaves and so forth? And John raises all these issues but and says they affect the church because the Catholic Church has never faced these things before, and we don't really have any tools in the toolbox to be able to confront these problems. End-of-life issues are, w are with all of us. With advanced medical technology, the human life is extended more and more, and therefore, uh, as financial resources go down for individuals and for families, the pressure for euthanasia is going to be brought in. And these end-of-life issues are not just something which are discussed by moral theologians in an abstract way. All of us will have to face these decisions in one way or another in, in our extended families. And so, uh, John only goes on to therefore also talk about eugenics and genetic engineering. If you can go in and tinker with a, a, a person's genetics or tinker with the genetics of an embryo, uh, what does that mean for the human race in, in the larger sense? And again, people will be doing this uh, for a good motivation. He gives the example, for instance, of a family who had a child with an incurable disease uh, unless they found a, a bone marrow transplant. And so they made sure that genetically the next child they had would be a match uh, and that new child donated the blood, the bone marrow to his sister, and they now are both healthy. Well, is that permissible? If so, uh, John Allen says, where do you draw the line? Where, where do you stop uh, doing genetic engineering? And um, would people want to therefore gen uh, use genetic engineering to get rid of uh, any kind of birth defects, any kind of personality defects? Now we're suddenly looking at the idea of a master race uh, and breeding a master race. And again, we get pretty nervous about all of that. He talks about... Um he talks about genetically modified organisms and the way uh, genetically modified crops are affecting uh, farming around the world and uh, around about and therefore uh, affecting uh, economics around the world as well. He says, uh, what is the Catholic Church actually going to do about this? Well, 
It's difficult to actually say because, again, we're in totally new territory. He goes through, as he usually does, and analyzes the uh, effects of these things, which I will be discussing in the second half of the podcast, which you'll find over on my blog, DwightLongenecker.com. He goes, therefore, to talk uh, in the next chapter uh, about globalization. And globalization is another aspect of his earlier chapter on the world church but now he goes through in more detail and talks about globalization and the way the world is shrinking he lays out certain um, principles from catholic social teaching which should apply as the world continues to shrink and uh, a global understanding of our human nature and our human society begins to grow He talks about the fact that there are universal human rights, the social nature of the human person. We're all made to be living together in community, the need to pursue the common good, uh, the need for solidarity, the option for the poor, and also the concept of subsidiarity, that solutions are best taken at the lowest local level possible. He talks through Catholic concepts of justice and says, how is this going to be applied in the larger world? How can this can be applied across the whole globe? It's pretty difficult to say because there are various different debates on globalization. First of all, the gap between the rich and the poor. In 2007, for instance, the poorest 42 nations on earth accumulated less wealth than the three richest people in the world. And he uses this and goes on and gives various other um, statistics to show the huge gap between the haves and the have-nots. He says that globalization is going to lead to an increase in the arms trade as nations continue to strive for the wealth and the resources that are there. The increased mobility increases human trafficking, corruption, and lawlessness. Because of globalization of the world, the national borders of the world are porous. People are moving to and fro much more easily, and therefore it's far more, far more difficult to enact the, the rule of law. The Internet has contributed to this as well. The national borders, both economically and politically, are not recognized nearly so much, and therefore uh, it's harder to control and analyze and uh, control the human population. What this actually means and what's going to happen across the globe will be analyzed again in the second part of this podcast, which you can hear over on my blog website, DwightLongenecker.com. The longer podcast on John Allen's Future Church is made available to my donor subscribers. Donor subscribers are people who help with my work by making a monthly contribution. They can listen to all of my podcasts uh, free of charge. They can also go and read an awful lot of my archived articles, which I put up on a regular basis. The third topic, which John Allen discusses, and which I would like to just skim over, is ecology. Now, he is writing this in 2000. 2009, remember, and he begins talking about Catholic environmentalism, and you perhaps would think that this was not really very much of a hot topic, but then suddenly Pope Francis comes along, uh, he takes the name Francis, and he takes as one of the themes of his pontificate uh, ecology and the need to help to preserve the earth and to be good stewards. So this is one of the areas where John Allen's uh, prophecies have come true very rapidly and come to the forefront far more quickly and far more uh, powerfully than he he prob- than he ever would have predicted back in 2009. So he lays out the uh, ecology question by looking at five key ideas. First of all, the need for a proper stewardship of the world's resources. To be a steward of the world's resources means that humanity uh, have got to pay attention uh, to what
what the world's resources are and use them the very best that we can for the common good. The second principle he talks about is the option for the poor. He says uh, the uh, bad ecology, pollution, and uh, so forth affects the poor far more than it affects the rich. That it's the poor who suffer uh, when the environment is damaged. Much The rich have the resources to go someplace nicer and to avoid the pollution and, and to avoid the, the bad environment. The poor are stuck with it. The third principle he lays out is the right to a safe and healthy natural environment. I was very interested in reading John Allen's book to realize that actually, although Pope Francis has claimed this as a major theme of his pontificate, uh, it goes right back to John Paul II and to Benedict XVI. Both of them had made uh, very important statements and powerful statements about the need for the human race to be good stewards of the environment and to pay attention to the ecological impact of the economy and uh, our life together on this planet. The fourth principle that he lays out is called the precautionary principle, uh, and that means that prudent policies are based on this principle, uh, and that uh, as we move forward, the human race must be prudent in its stewardship and be very careful uh, in the changes that we make uh, as we move forward and embrace new technologies and new economic uh, solutions. Lifestyle changes is the last principle. Um, he Again, here he quotes Benedict XVI, uh, noticing some of the impact of pollution and ecological damage on the poor, and says that everybody ought to adapt uh, lifestyle changes to be good stewards, not just the people where it's obvious, but the entire human race. And again, John Allen is very good at pointing out that this is a theme, not just of Pope Francis, but of Pope Benedict XVI and Pope John Paul II before him. Again, in the second part of the uh, podcast over my blog, over my blog, I will talk about the effects of these things uh, in uh, on the church. But before I do, in the area of ecology, John Allen goes on to talk about global warming and climate change. No matter what you think about that, whether you're a believer or not, he says uh, if the climate is changing, and whether it's man-made or not is debatable, but whether the climate is changing, we are responsible to help one another uh, to cope with the changes that happen and to help one another, especially the poor, uh, when um, things like water scarcity and flooding and, and various other things begin to take place around the globe. He talks about the deforestation in the Amazon and the impact the people there, the deforestation around the world, and says that this actually is also something which the church, out of concern for the whole human race, needs to pay attention to. Well, you've been listening again to a quick overview of three chapters of John Allen's book, The Future Church. Again, I recommend it to you as a good read. The whole thing is a wonderful prophecy of what's going to happen in the to the Catholic Church in the 21st century. These three particular trends of the biotech revolution and globalization and ecology are important trends which are happening in the world, but trends which have less of a direct impact on the religion of the Catholic Church and more of an impact on the social teaching of the Catholic Church and how we respond. Therefore, it's worth reading through and worth paying attention to, although these are not the topics of primary interest for my podcast. Again, I encourage you to listen to the second half when John Allen goes through and analyzes the effects of the biotech revolution, the effects of globalization, and the effects of the ecology movement on the growth of the Catholic Church. 
I invite you again to go over to my blog, DwightLongenecker.com, to read my articles there day by day. If you can support the blog by becoming a donor subscriber, click on the subscribe tab at the top of the homepage and learn about the different benefits that come to you to the donor subscribers. There's five different levels of donor subscribers, so a price that everybody can help with uh, in order to keep the blog ad-free uh, and available to thousands of listeners and thousands of readers worldwide. Again, this is Father Dwight Longenecker. Thank you for listening. I'm Father Dwight Longenecker. I hope you've enjoyed listening to some of my podcasts here at Breadbox Media. But today I'm speaking to you about a different opportunity. In September 2020, I'll be leading a fantastic pilgrimage cruise from Rome to the Holy Land, and then on the way back, stopping at the cities of St. Paul, Ephesus, Athens, Corinth, and more. While we're at sea, I'll be lecturing on the Gospels, history, or mystery. When we're on land, I'll invite you to join me as we visit all of the holy sites, celebrating Mass, worshiping together, and having a wonderful time of fellowship. If you'd like to know more about this pilgrimage cruise, go to my website, dwightlongenecker.com, go to the right sidebar, and you'll see a picture there which invites you to get more information. Go to my website, dwightlongenecker.com, right sidebar, click on the picture of the cruise ship, and you'll get all the information you need. Alternatively, you can call the company that's organizing the tour at 800-247-0017. 800-247-0017. Ask for Farmer Longenecker's Cruise to the Holy Land. Thanks for listening. Jack Kane Ford. Find your next Ford Tough vehicle at KaneFord.com.